Talk Money to Me is a financial podcast produced by Transglobal. All opinions expressed by the hosts and guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Transglobal. This podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as basis for investment decisions. Hey everybody, welcome to Talk Money to Me, where we talk about money and how it affects you. I'm your co-host Jonathan, and I know a little bit about finance. And I'm your other co-host, Tracy, and I know almost nothing about finance. We have two wonderful guests with us today. I'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Hi, everybody. My name is Richard Wang. I've also been in life insurance and annuity business for about 10 years now. Hey, guys. It's Stephanie again. Thanks for having me back. I am a personal finance enthusiast. This is part two of our roundtable discussion. We'll go ahead and just jump right into it. Well, how do you guys, what are your, some of your practices for managing risk, right? Because I, I think that like, yes, I would prioritize paying down my debts. Um, but also like, I do feel like with insurance, right? We talked a lot about insurance in this podcast. I, it does start to get overwhelming. Like, do I have to insure everything, right? Like, is how much money should I even be spending on like stuff that might not even happen? Right. And uh, what do you guys, how do you guys like sort of prioritize different types of risk management? Well, I like to think of it as the risk that is immediate to you. So for us, the simplest way I can put it is like everyone needs car insurance. I believe in California for you guys, it's illegal to not have car insurance because you can do a lot of damage, if not to other people, to the city's property, right? If you hit a median or something like that. And when you, purchase a house, it might not be something where you need home insurance, but the mortgage from the bank that you're applying to might deny you if you don't have that kind of insurance. And I just want to say, at least in my industry with life insurance, I see life insurance as something that everyone would need, but it is definitely another expense to my client, right? Instead of this money going to their emergency funds or their investments, it is going towards a policy that it's supposed to help them maybe 15, 20, 30 years into the future and then eventually pay out a death benefit to them as well. So it's really going to be the things that you have immediate risk of losing. So, for example, Apple Care, I know is very popular. I have a lot of friends with Apple Care that break their laptops and are able to utilize that. But if you take pristine care of your equipment and it never breaks, then did you really need to buy the Apple Care? So live a less risky life. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> to a degree. to a degree. I mean, like, to be honest, we're sidetracking a little bit, but if you scuba dive, life insurance companies see that as a risk. They call it a risky hobby, right? Just like if you skydive or uh, ATVs, right? You're driving around in the desert. I believe even having something as small as a trampoline at your house will increase your home insurance. So for me, like I have mortgages because I, I do investment properties. I have, so that to me is a good bet. So I don't really need to consider paying that off immediately. Like because it's an investment, I am leveraging the money that the bank gives me. So I'm not trying to pay that off anytime soon. I pay only the, the amount required. And so that I can free up my money to do other investments, right? Or build my emergency fund. So like Tracy said, it's really important to distinguish like what is good debt and what is bad debt credit card debt absolutely not like i would never um rack that up um so i don't have any credit card credit card debt and um so and and i guess i'm blessed that i don't also i also don't have any like school debt um again like i said like my parents like they 
gave us the poverty mentality, but we weren't, we weren't that poor. I'm going to say that. Yeah, we weren't. I mean, they could afford to send three kids to private school. So we and, have yeah. a big idea of the level <laughs> yeah. of you guys were at. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because um, I also didn't think I was poor either, but uh, this is supposed to be a funny story. Sorry if it comes off sad, but um, I'm the youngest of three. Both of my sisters went to out-of-state privates, Northwestern University, Duke University. And so the summer before my senior year, my dad sat me down and he's like, Jonathan, but he said my Chinese name. So I was like, oh, this is real serious. And so he sits me down and he's like, as you know, both of your sisters went to out-of-state privates and that costs a lot of money. So unless you can get a full scholarship anywhere, I need you to only go to public schools. And I was like, okay, that's my lot in life. And, you know, looking back at it now, it it's funny to me. And, you know, I was not starving. Um, but that kind of idea of needing to adjust things somewhat uh, suddenly, um, I think is also part of what makes uh, budgeting important, as well as, you know, uh, managing any risks that might come up. I know that we've discussed on the previous episodes that you should be riskier when you're young because you have more time to adjust. I had actually always grown up thinking that it would be better to be riskier when you're older, and it was because you had more money to work with then. So it was a really interesting uh, time for me listening and having that podcast episode then to kind of flip it on its head. But the catch-22 is that you need to be slightly riskier in order to grow to that amount of wealth in order for you to be more risky, in order for you to grow to that wealth, in order for you to be more risky, blah, 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 which is the whole mentality behind like, you need experience to get a job, to get experience, to get a job, to get experience, to get a job. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I do think that like, it's it does sound like what, based on what Richard said earlier, that we need to maybe have a similar mentality to the people that we are... Um, either buying life insurance from or because they're managing risk too, right? They're offering us things based on our lifestyle choice. So like maybe the amount that we need to care about risk is sort of like parallel or in tandem or related to the amount of risky things we do in life, right? Like maybe you can get less coverage on your car insurance because you drive safer, right? And like maybe that there's something to that. And we also need to do some, some of that assessment for ourselves before we go looking into options for, um, like, how healthy are you, kind of? If you are living a pretty unhealthy lifestyle, then maybe, you know, life insurance or health insurance is more important. Yeah. Yeah. Self-evaluation, constant self-evaluation is very important. Yeah. In any aspect of life, not just budgeting, but and knowing yourself, um, you know, and your, your habits and your tendencies, like, it really helps you understand your reality better. And then you can plan much better that way. So yeah, that's a good point. Kind of bringing it back, um, realistically for me, because I I, did, I never saved, I never did anything. I spent down to basically my last $200 pretty much every month. Uh, and like someone told me that I should at least have $1,000 in my, in my savings account recently. And I was like, <laughs> I'm never going to hit that. Um, so and I'm just bringing it to real numbers because I so rarely see people say real numbers. And so I didn't realize until very recently that the real numbers that my friends were talking about were so much higher than my real numbers. Right. Uh, but so I'm just being honest, right? Like I was living paycheck to paycheck in a very real sense, even though I live at home because I was spending as if I only needed to save like maybe 10% or like 5% or less. Um, because to me, savings is for like an emergency fund and I haven't ever needed an emergency fund more than 500 bucks, right? Like I've never encountered 
like something so dire that it cost me more. And then when it did, I always had a fallback, right? Like either um, I could get a scholarship or I could um, like my parents would front me for a little bit and I would pay them back monthly or something. Right. So recently what I've done is just decided like, because I don't, I don't have a good way to determine the percentage that I'll actually need. Right. I'm just going to go with the trend. Right. So I need to be saving X percent of my salary every month. That's it. No, but like, and then, so there's so many apps out there that'll just like take your money out without like you set it up and then you just don't look at it anymore. Right. And I, I came to this realization that I needed this because um, I recently switched over to a 1099. And when I was on the W2, uh, the company would take out my taxes. Right. And I switched over to a 1099. I was getting my full salary, but that's because they take out your taxes later when you file it. Right. So, and I didn't realize that I didn't realize I needed to be keeping all my receipts. And so well, I complained and I said like, oh man, why can't you just take out my taxes now? But what I could have been doing is just having my bank do that for me, right? Like every direct deposit, they'll just immediately take out X amount of taxes slash savings so that what I see in front of me is the actual money that I have rather than the sort of temporary money that I have without uh, minus like subtracting away the expenditures. Um, so that's kind of what I do is uh, for some, as someone who doesn't know exactly what I want yet and doesn't have any concrete goals, I just do the percentage thing. And I just have things set up where my money is no longer in front of me. So I can't even spend it, which is what Richard said earlier, which I think is pretty good practice. Definitely. And I, I mean, to be honest, when I got my first paycheck, I was working at a Burger King because I was buying my prom day, her, her prom dress. Um, and so when I got my first what do you call a paycheck, you notice like all of these deductions, right? And Trace, in your case, the 1099, when I found out about that, that broke my heart as well, right? Because it's not like, oh, I made $100, I spend $100. It's more like I made $100, I need to save $50 to pay for the taxes. And then the other 50, I could probably spend. And definitely, and it's, it's very common for a lot of young people, even some of my own clients where, they don't realize that 1099 is like, hey, it's money that you haven't paid taxes on, right? So I generally would advise them to, hey, save at least 50%. I know your tax bracket isn't that high, but it's better to do it that way instead of like you find out this giant bill from the IRS. And let's be honest, the IRS, right? If you put those words together, it spells theirs. So don't think you can outsmart them, okay? They're out to get your money. As we kind of think about how this the whole reason we started this podcast in the first place was to educate and to help listeners out there including ourselves as a uh, you know co-hosts and speakers learn what things we can do to kind of improve our future and shape it uh, with what control we have over it what are some of the goals that you know you guys might have about what you want to do with your life and with your money um, I know that for me personally uh, my hope is that I can eventually buy a house on my own maybe get married, raise a family. Um, although those are going to be some additional costs too, I'm sure, as I wine and dine a potential uh, wife. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the American dream, right? Uh, it's the same for me out here in Pennsylvania. It's just to buy property, have start up a family, right? Save up for like the littler things, uh, things I can try to save up for now, right? Uh, I hear from my cousins and friends, diapers are pretty expensive. So in my mentality about it, I was like, well, maybe I should start saving enough money for that now, right? Um, 
for me, I've matured enough to not have to need everything. Since everything is automated, I have an automated amount for entertainment, automated amount for savings, for for everything like that. So I just keep myself within check. And I know that once we roll out of this pandemic, people are going to get the feeling of wanting to go out and start to spend money, which is great for the economy, definitely. But during this time, you would want to give yourself a budget enough to where you're not you're where you're happy, but you're not overextending yourself. You don't need to see, well, I am personally going to see Godzilla versus King Kong in like the best IMAX version I can possibly get it in. But that's probably as far as spending for my entertainment is going to be. So for me, same thing as you, the American dream of having a house, owning some property, having some kids and pretty much getting settled down. You know, I think growing up is just figuring out who you are as a person, right? Like a lot of people have told you all your life who you are or who you should be or what are some options that you could be. And now the job is just to be that person, right? be whoever you've become, uh, fix the parts that you don't like and maybe, you know, but don't let anyone else set those standards for you. And um, yeah, I, I really appreciate all that I've learned in this podcast because I feel like it's given me tools to then be more secure or or live into the life that I want to live um, better, right? And that, I think that's what money is and not necessarily the end, but the means to the the goal. The reason why we made this podcast was really for that. Like we want people to be financially secure so that you don't really have to worry about that in your life. And so you can enjoy the the small things and the finer things in life without worrying so much. And I think that's why like, I always talked about like wanting to retire early. It's like, because- Money is time and money because money like financial freedom can buy you time, which is time is the only thing the equalizer of life. The only time that you can buy like per se is being able to free up your time to be whoever you want to be. Right. So you're not obligated to be at a certain place, nine to five, going back to like my friend and her $10 million house that she wants, right? Like not everyone wants that. And that's okay. Like you can have different goals from your friends. And like, I don't want a $10 million house. I tell her, I'm like, I want to um, travel and be free to just be a nomad, you know, but financially secure enough to have enough passive income where I don't have to work if I don't want to. I mean, I'm just thinking $10 million. Oh man, that's a lot of cleaning. That's a lot of cleaning. That's all I'm <laughs> thinking about. Yeah, so much maintenance. No way. I'm not bragging, but I know someone that lives in a $40 million house, right? He has like five gardening companies just to take care of the landscape around his area. Uh, but you see, I say that $10 million and you got to worry about cleaning, but he has maids, right, to clean his house. And just like Stephanie said, like I can have a very casual conversation with him. Uh, but I think he's a borderline billionaire and I'm just, I'm just Richard. Right. Um, so we don't, we, we know we're dead much longer than we are alive. Be much happier, do things that make you happy. And as long as you're able to maintain that, I think you'll live a pretty good life. And I think um, whether you have big dreams or small dreams, whether you are richer or Richard, figure out what it is in life you want to do. And with that, we'll go ahead and draw this episode to a close. Thank you guys for joining us. Catch you on the next one.